Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Welcome back to Know Your Bible. We're happy you've joined us today and uh, we hope you're ready to study the Bible, learn a little bit more about it because that's what we do on this program is answer your questions about the Bible. You'll see a phone number and a website on the screen throughout the program. Uh, use those any time, day or night, and uh, we'll pick up on it later and find out what you want us to talk about on Know Your Bible. We'll take your question and put it in a stack of questions and get to it just as quickly as we can. Uh, if you get, send us an email, we'll get you a faster answer to that. So there's a place on our website to send emails, so be sure to do that. We'll get you a much faster answer, but we'll get it on the air as soon as we can. So that's what the program's about. We want to know our Bible a little bit better. And we've got Toby Levering here this morning to help us. Hi, Toby. Good morning, Steve. Glad you're here ready to go. I'm Steve Tandy, and we're going to answer as many questions as we can right after we give you your question. Viewers get one each week. Uh, what judge of Israel was betrayed by a woman? A judge of Israel betrayed by a woman. Famous couple. We'll give you the answer to that at the end of the program. See if you know that bit of Bible trivia. It's like I drew number one today, so let's get going. Why are there no last names for Bible characters? Well, I thought I knew why, but I decided I better do a little research on that. And I found out it was about the 14th century before people started using last names, a surname. Uh, before that, there wasn't much need for it. People didn't travel very far. Uh, they kind of lived in their own community, and everybody knew everybody in the community. And that's the way they referred to them. But about the 14th century, uh, people started traveling more, plus... They started keeping better records, and main reason was they started more taxation. Uh, so there you go. <laughs> we started collecting taxes, so we needed to keep track of people and know what their names were. So that's kind of where the custom of last names started. Uh, before that, if you lived in a small village or town, uh, you got a name like Simon, but then maybe there were two Simons in the area. So they would have a modifier on that, like we know Simon Barjona in the Bible. So Simon, who later became Peter, his, sometimes he's listed as Simon Barjona. That means Simon, son of Jonah. All right, so if you lived in that town, you'd say, oh, that's Simon, that's Jonah's boy. Uh, then there's another Simon, Simon the Tanner. So... He was a tanner of hides, and that's how they referred to him. So that's kind of how it worked before we started the last name thing. Uh, Jesus was called Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, there were lots of people named Jesus in that day, and people separated him out by, well, that's the Jesus from Nazareth. 
So that's why the Bible refers to people by first names only or sometimes who they were the son of or what their occupation was. And, of course, a lot of last names came from those kind of things. Uh, Occupations seem to derive a lot of last names, like Miller is a very common last name. Uh, Probably the first one that got a last name in that line was a Miller of some sort, uh, Milled Green. So that's where last names came from and why the Bible doesn't have any. Okay, a good answer. Uh, The next question has to do with apostles. What was the role of the apostles in the church? Uh, Well, we've talked about on this program before in the past that the word apostle is simply one who's sent, one sent out. Those are the ones that Jesus selected. There were 12 of them originally. Of course, uh, Judas uh, betrayed Jesus, later on hanged himself, and uh, was later replaced um, by Matthias. And then, of course, the apostle Paul was a, a unique apostle who came up later. But their job was primarily to be a representative, maybe an ambassador would be one way to say it, and to send them out to establish the church in different locations. And that was the role of apostles. They had a role of leadership. Uh, they were able to make decisions and uh, their their uh, teachings were spirit-inspired, so they were able to teach doctrine and uh, the spirit guided them in that. But the, the uh, picture I like uh, probably best is uh, Ephesians chapter 2. And Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, uh, Paul's writing uh, here to the church at Ephesus, speaking to them. He says, You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. And so he gives this picture of a home. It's built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So we started all with Jesus, and uh, the cornerstone was the basis for your foundation, and you built the foundation off of the cornerstone. And so the apostles uh, would uh, be, as he describes them, the foundation, what you build everything else on. So uh, they were the representatives, they were the ambassadors and leaders of the early church, and they were sent out uh, by Jesus uh, to establish the church and help it, help it root and grow, not just in Jerusalem and in Judea, but to all the ends of the earth, which is the story of Acts. So hope that helps you better understand what an apostle is. All right, viewers wondering, where is the church called the kingdom? And what's the difference between the church and the kingdom? Well, we've probably at some point on this program said something about the church being the kingdom, and so our viewer wonders, all right, where does it say that, and what's the difference? Um, The Bible talks about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven uh, pretty much interchangeably. It uses the same term in the same way, or different term in the same way as different places, Uh, but it does talk a lot about the kingdom. And there is one sense that the kingdom is the church. Let's look at a couple of verses uh, to talk about that. It's the kingdom on earth right now. Let's look at Matthew chapter 16. Uh, Jesus said to Peter, I will build my church. And then later he said, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so in that verse, he says, all right, I'm going to build my church, and I'm going to give you the keys uh, so people can get into the kingdom of heaven. 
He uses those terms interchangeably there. Another one is Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse 22 and 23. Uh, Paul's talking about the church, and he says, God placed all things under his feet, that's Jesus, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. So the, the church is called the kingdom, it's called the body of Christ, uh, I didn't put this one on the screen, but Colossians 1.13 is interesting. In Colossians chapter 1, Paul's writing to the church in Colossae. He starts out, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ. And remember, we just talked about the church being the body of Christ. So, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. And then in verse 13, he said, he has rescued us. From the dominion of darkness and brought us in to the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So Paul says, Christians, the church, we have been translated or brought into the kingdom. So the word church just means called out, called out from the world. And so in that sense, the church or God's called out people, it's his kingdom on earth. Uh, the Bible says that Jesus is coming back someday and he's coming back for the church. He's going to claim his kingdom, take the church to heaven. Okay, so in that sense, the church is the kingdom. Now, in another sense, the kingdom of God is bigger than the church. Now, the church is what we see of the kingdom on earth right now. But the kingdom also consists of angels, uh, all the heavenly creation, the Old Testament saints that are there that were never in the church, but they're in the kingdom. So the kingdom's a bigger thing, but right now, as best we can see on earth, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you see the church. So that's how it's the same, and that's how it's a little bit different. All right, let's talk about studying the Bible in a, a big overview kind of way instead of looking at one little word or one little verse. Uh, and we want to help you know your Bible better. That's what we advocate on this program is home Bible study. And we've got some tools that we're happy to send you uh, absolutely free of charge. We pay the postage. Your first lesson you'll get is the Old Testament Second lesson you get is the New Testament. After those two, you'll understand the difference between those two big parts of your Bible. When you finish those first eight lessons, we've got some other courses that you can keep studying with and go into much more detail. And you can study the Bible a long time with Know Your Bible Study Tools. And hopefully that will help you form a regular habit of Bible study that will last you the rest of your life. We've also got some online courses. If you'd prefer to do things online instead of using the mail and paper, we're happy to help you with that. Oneway.worldbibleschool.org will get you signed up for that, and you can begin to digitally study the Bible. So give us a call, phone number, website on the screen. Use those anytime. Say, I want that free course, and we'll get it started for you. Yes, uh viewer wants to know, do the scriptures give us any information on who Satan is? 
And the answer is yes. The scriptures give us quite a bit of information about Satan. Uh, he's in the story from the beginning to the end. Now, there's not a lot of information about the origins of Satan and how that all began. But as far as he's involved in our story, he's described in many different ways. And all of it's bad. So uh, let's look at some on the screen. And I've gave you, given you some verses that you can look up uh, for yourself if you're looking a little, little more study on Satan and who he is and what he does. Matthew chapter 13, Jesus describes him as our enemy. Uh, he is uh, the enemy, not flesh and blood, uh, but he is uh, a spiritual enemy. John chapter 8, verse 44, he called him the father, the liar and the father of lies. Uh, when you lie, you speak the native language of Satan. Um, he's a murderer. He desires to take life and destroy life. Uh, and he uh, later in John 10, he say, said that he came to steal and kill and destroy. In John chapter 12, verse 31, Jesus described him as the prince of this world, uh, which gives us a picture when you think about the world and uh, the, the way that it is and the system of its values. And sometimes it seems like, gosh, it, there's... Things are so evil, there's a reason. There's a prince who's in charge of this world, and he wants things very different than God does. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, Peter describes him as a lion, a uh, ferocious lion. In fact, he says specifically, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So he's ferocious. He's absolutely relentless in his pursuit of God's people. Revelation 9 verse 11 describes him as an evil angel. Uh, he was an angel, so he's a created being more powerful uh, than uh, humans, than you and I, but less powerful than God. And uh, he uses that power for evil intent. And Revelation 12 uh, reminds us that he is the accuser. He is the ancient serpent. Uh, he's not only trying to tempt us to do evil and to uh, uh, leave God and to rebel from God, but once we do that, he stands right there ready to accuse us. So several scriptures that you can look up and study more. It's kind of interesting, but the most important idea that we understand about Satan, though he's real, he's mean, he's ferocious, uh, is that God is bigger than him. Greater is he uh, that is in you than he who is in the world, the Apostle John tells us. So hope that gives you some insights uh, into the scriptures about Satan. All right. Viewer wants to know pretty straightforward question. Can a woman be a deacon? Uh, and I know that is a very popular thing over the past few years is uh, removing any gender roles from Bible or from church offices and uh, titles and all of that. But this program is called Know Your Bible. So we got to see what the Bible has to say about it. And first thing we need to understand is the word deacon is a translation, it's a transliteration of the Greek word diakonos, and that just means servant. So when the translators came along, they didn't, they, some places they translated servant, and some places they just made it sound English and called it deacon. Uh, and the Bible uses that term deacon or diakonos in two different ways. In one way, it's just a servant. 
in that sense, all of us are servants, male, female, whatever we are. Uh, we're servants of God. We're diakonos. But the Bible also uses that term in a particular way for uh, an office or a title or a role within the church. And we know that because in First uh, Timothy 3, for instance, it gives us a list of qualifications if somebody wants to be a deacon. Okay, So the the New Testament began to appoint deacons uh, to do the service of the church. Uh, the first ones, I think, mainly took care of the uh, needy, the benevolent work, and helped people who needed help from the church. Uh, but we've expanded that to where deacons do lots of the works of the church. Uh, so when it's used in the office, the title, the role kind of way, uh, we have to read the qualifications. We go to First Timothy, and here's one of the qualifications in First Timothy 3.12. It says a deacon must be the husband of but one wife and must manage his children and his household well. Uh, it also goes on to give qualifications for the wife of a deacon. So uh, we take from that that the deacons at the office, the role, the title within the church are to be men and should only be men. So... That's what we think the Bible says. Uh, certainly women serve in many, many ways and are great diakonos uh, in many, many ways in the church. And the church couldn't survive without them. But for that official title role uh, office within the church, I think it's restricted to males. Uh, let me invite you to visit the Church of Christ. We are sponsored by the Churches of Christ and kept on the air by them, so we like to thank a few of them each week. Uh, the church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota is one of our great partners up in that area. Uh, help us stay on the air from the Sioux Falls station, and we'd like to invite you to thank them for us. If you're looking for a church home, certainly you'd be uh, warmly welcomed at the Sioux Falls Church of Christ there. Clint Glinter is the pulpit minister. I know you'd enjoy hearing him share the Word of God with you. Uh, Zach Alpine will help you study the Bible or answer any questions that you've got. So uh, give them the call there on Southeastern and uh, tell them you heard about them on Know Your Bible and you've got a question or you're looking for a church home or whatever's on your mind. Let them know and uh, they'd help you out in that community. We thank them and all the other churches that support us, whatever viewing area you're in. Uh, check out a Church of Christ near you sometime. All right, okay. Toby. Question about uh, old law. What scripture states that we are not living under the old law, but are under the new law? Well, there's a couple of scriptures that state that. And this is a good question because so many of our questions on Know Your Bible come from this very basic misunderstanding. In fact, if you sign up for the Bible Correspondence course, I believe one of the first uh, lessons is helping us to rightly divide, to understand the difference between the covenants. And of course, we believe the entire Bible, uh, but there's one covenant that was written to uh, the descendants of Abraham, the Israelites would call them, and there was one that was uh, written for those in Christ. Christ brought a new covenant. And so we have to really make a distinction between the old and the new. And many people who, uh, some people even mock the Bible, uh, fail to understand that basic difference that uh, we're not under the old law, but the new. But the Bible's very clear about that. And you read, especially the New Testament, we understand that the law 
that the old law with its all of its legal requirements was fulfilled by Jesus Christ. See, nobody could keep that old law. That was the problem with it, is that no one could be declared righteous by it. Uh, when you try to follow the law, when you try to become righteous by living according to the law, uh, you might be able to do pretty good, but everybody falls short at some point. And then the problem is that the old law prescribes only one uh, fitting punishment for those who break the law, and that's death, spiritual death, separation from God. And so God uh, atoned for that and justified us through Jesus the Christ. So when we want to uh, seek righteousness and be righteous through God, we seek to do that through Jesus the Christ. And then we are under his covenant in which he becomes our righteousness and we seek to live according to his will. The scriptures that you ask for, Romans chapter 7 verse 6 is the first one. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. And, and this scripture is as clear as it can be. Uh, that we do not serve under the old law. So there's some people who take specific things and they say, we want to follow that. We want to follow that old law. Well, uh, you've got to take one specific thing. You've got to take the whole law. But the scripture says we serve under in the new way of the spirit, not the old way of the written code. So uh, Colossians 2 is one, the other one that we'll look at. Uh, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Well, how did that happen? Because the law condemned us as dead. God made us alive with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. See, the demands of the law were fulfilled by Jesus. And thankfully, we can live under his grace in a new and better, more lasting covenant. So hope that helps and clarifies a little bit. Those verses should help you as well. And we mention every once in a while, we talk about it ourselves, how many of the questions on Know Your Bible that we get uh, stem from the problem you just talked about. Mm -hmm. There's people taking a little bit out of the Old Testament and wanting to follow that and uh, not wanting to follow the whole thing, but sure. yeah, yeah. <laughs> want a little bit of it. So just that one understanding, the difference between the old and the new, uh, would probably answer 50% of our questions. Easily, easily. <laughs> I'll know your Bible. And I know it would answer a lot of the mail we get because uh, for some reason the people that pick a piece of the Old Testament, uh, like the Sabbath day or the diet or something that they want to keep, are, are very uh, zealous about it. They say, we got to do this uh, or we're wrong. We're yeah. going to be lost, you yeah. know. Uh, but they don't ever want to take the whole law. Right, they, it's always just one part. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if I want if you want me to do that, well, why don't you want me to sacrifice animals? Right. You know, I mean, that, correct. It's all there, <laughs> and like like you pointed out, it was nailed to the cross. It's gone. Had a lot of good stuff in there, but we're not under that anymore. So. Well, and and some of the new, there are things from the old that. Are repeated oh, in yeah. the news. You yeah. know, we uh, obviously, but but we're practicing New Testament Christianity, and that's yeah. what that means. Yeah. So. Okay, let's get a couple more in here. How many children did Adam and Eve have? Well, more than three. That's the best Bible answer I can give you, mm -hmm. because we know that they had Cain and Abel, 
And then after that, they have Seth. And that's the only three we're told about. Now, Genesis 5, 4 says, after Seth was born, Adam had other sons and daughters. So we know there were more than three. Um, don't know anything else about it. Tradition, <laughs> if you're interested in that, says 56. Josephus, who was a Jewish historian and wrote about the Jews a lot, uh, he claimed that Adam and Eve had 33 sons and 23 daughters, so 56. Now, take that for what it's worth. It's not told us that in the Bible. It's certainly in the realm of possibility uh, because of the age they lived to, and they were charged with populating the earth and all of that. So that may be high or low. We don't know. More than three. That's all I can tell you for sure. <laughs> that's, that would be 100% accurate. <laughs> all right. A question that we call this program, Know Your Bible. And this is a question about reading the Bible. Uh, they say, I haven't read the Bible. Where should I start to read it? Well, the Bible can definitely be a daunting book. Uh, we talk about reading the Bible and the, why it's good for you, and we look at different verses on the screen. But if you ever have watched this program and thought, you know, I ought to look into my Bible a little bit more, and you maybe just open up there to page 1, Genesis 1-1, one, one, and then again making your way through. Uh, I often say that Bible readings, you get exhausted by Exodus. You're <laughs> uh, lost in Leviticus. Uh, you're numb by numbers and you're done by Deuteronomy. It's, it's just, uh, there's a lot of detail. There's, you, you quickly, it's kind of like you've never swam before and the first thing you're going to do is jump off the high dive into the deep end. Uh, so it can quickly be an overwhelming book, especially if you're not familiar with it. Um, so what I always... Uh, recommend to people. Certainly on this program we advocate home Bible study and we want you to do that. But those Bible correspondence courses are really very helpful. If you've never opened the Bible for yourself, it's a way to kind of dip your toe in the water and become familiar with the scriptures. Um, that'll help you become familiar and get a picture of it. And then you can get into the the details and the minutia and all of that, uh, the the things. It's all good and it's all good for us, uh, but there's a lot to it to consider. There's an old saying that my dear great aunt used to say, and it was, uh, inch by inch, life's a cinch. Yard by yard, life gets hard. And as I've carried that uh, piece of wisdom in my heart over the years. Uh, it's true with so many things. We often try to do it all at once in any area of life. We just want to do all at once. So you've never read your Bible and instantly you go, I'm going to read the whole Bible today. Well, <laughs> be careful with that. Uh, I would encourage you to inch your way through it. One of the best resources I can give you is what's called the Daily Bible. We've got a picture of it on the screen. Uh, this Bible uh, was put together in chronological order into 365 daily readings. And it, if you read it through the course of a year, you'll read through the entire Bible, old and new. And what I like about it is that it's got dates. You can start on this day, whatever day you are. You don't have to wait till January 1. And there's a good explanation of where you are in the story. So I would encourage you to pick up a daily Bible and just start where you are and read it for a full year. Uh, and that'll give you a real good picture. But just be sure to inch your way through it and don't try to uh, take it uh, too many yards at a time. So I hope that helps you. And God bless you for trying to read and study your Bible. You'll be blessed by it. I want to know, uh, where does it say ashes to ashes and dust to dust? It does not say that in the Bible. Um, 
something that we've come up with, but it's not really in the Bible. All right, let's do our trivia question. Uh, I think we've got a trivia question. What was there? It is. I can't remember it. What judge of Israel was uh, betrayed by a woman? And that is Samson in Judges chapter 16. All right, we're glad you've been with us. We're going to come back next week and answer some more questions for you. Till then, have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.